I'm Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. So we're sitting here in Cone Health and I've been working with the palliative care team here for a few days and and I'm I'm just really Beth the team that you've created here has been really inspiring to me. Um I feel very lucky to be a part of what you're trying to do here and I do believe that Cone Health is on the verge of becoming a national leader in creating these palliative care programs in acute settings. And so first of all, let's let's tell people about you because I'm absolutely in love with you. I feel like I went to college with you and I feel like you're one of my best friends and and it, it that's really interesting to create that kind of relationship with someone in, ver- in a very short time and you know, we connected on LinkedIn and North Carolina just have to, happens to be my home. But tell me, how did you even get into interest of medicine? Thank you, Kimberly. It's a pleasure to have you here in Greensboro. It has, it's been fun from the moment that you've arrived oh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> um, your energy has been great and really inspired our team and a lot of uh, our, our staff here. Uh, and uh, you can't miss your RV sitting in our physician parking lot. Um, so thank you for coming. Um my story in palliative care really goes back uh, very early in my life. Uh, I had older parents um, and uh, also had a twin sister and um, a brother who um, all of our relatives were older. And so we were younger. And so we were often facing, you know, somebody older in our family dying and um it was just something that our family talked about. My dad was 50 years old when I was born. What? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was maybe 12 sitting on the bed with him and saying, honey, you know, I may not be here for your, your high school graduation and those things because I'm so much older. And, and, and but, but if not, it's okay. And I was, oh, wow. at that time, I was like, wow, that, that's really amazing that my dad just talked to me about that. Now I want to go cry. Right. Um, but at the time, I really didn't. It, it seemed like I was special because my dad was older. And, you know, people often thought he was by grandfather. Um, but, um, there was a sense in, in our family that life was something that was, you know, uh, to be lived in the moment. Um, my mom was also a social worker and mm. so she would often share stories, um, of, of other people suffering. So I really grew up in a family who valued, uh, empathy, care, and concern for others. Um, but what really changed me and made me want to go into uh, medicine was, um, around the time I was about 14 or 15 years old, my great aunt Susie got sick and she was something else. She um, was really like a grandmother to me. And I grew up with her every day after school, going to her house. And one day I came home after school and, and she was in the hospital. Oh. Yeah. And so what I recognized at that point, and she was 90 years old um, and went through a horrible prolonged illness. And I remember the doctor's not they didn't ask our opinion they didn't ask what we should or should not do for her and we i really watched her suffer terribly and she died alone in a corner room of a crappy nursing home 
And to this day, I really think back on that saying, gosh, this, how could this woman who lived such a wonderful life, how, why did she have to die that way? Hmm. And so that was did really- Did you feel like guilty? You know, I mean, you were I'm, so young. I was young. Uh, I, I felt like it could have been different. Huh. Even at that young Even at that young of age. Hmm. I also emulated my grandmother, my actual grandmother, who was her caregiver a lot. And I oh. watched her care for her, like physically care for her. And so when I was old enough to work, um, I took a certified nursing assistant class. I have been a certified nursing assistant and worked in healthcare since I was 16. Do you realize that does explain a lot? <laughs> well, because yeah, it's I, a huge part of who I am. Yeah, it's yeah. like even nurses who were CNAs, um, then became a nurse and MPs. There's something special about those people. They know that CNAs are the backbone of the healthcare system. And I don't know, every time I meet someone in the in this industry that started off as a CNA, I'm just, that explains why you are doing what you're doing. If you cannot roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty and truly experience what it's like to see raw human condition, mm. okay? And sometimes that doesn't look so beautiful or right. pretty or whatever sure. um, to really get down into what illness is and what the the decline of the human body is. You know, when you do that at 16, um, it definitely impacts you. And for me, I think it was positive um, because it really developed a sense of empathy early on. I've always said every uh, nurse or doctor I know should have to work as a certified or as a nursing assistant mm. for a period of time because it teaches you about how to feel for others and what others might go through who've lost control of their body and how, right. to, how to care for that. So you came up, you decided to go to medical school. Yeah, I you came did, back home. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you did your residency here at I Cone did. Health in I Greensboro, did. North Carolina. And when did you find an interest in palliative care? And first of all, what is palliative care? <laughs> That is uh, the question we get so often. Mm -hmm. um, so um, palliative care um, is a way of caring for people that's a holistic way of caring for people that looks at them as a whole person in this situation of serious illness. We often do, our whole focus is quality of life and we support all the medical teams who are involved in the patient's care, but we are the part that makes the care different. It, it is different than the hospice benefit. Um, hospice patients do receive palliative care, but it is about the relief of suffering. Hmm. And that can look a lot of different ways. Um, it can uh, look like medications, but it can also um, look like just connecting with people and saying, you know what, I'm here with you. I'm going to help you through this. And you're not alone. And, you know, there's a lot of, I call it med speak that us in the healthcare world uses. And I think palliative care sort of dissects that med speak and, and talks just like everyday human beings. Um, so people can understand what they're facing, which is, which is, you know, doctors, you guys go to school, you learn 60,000 new words. It's a whole nother language. And so palliative care kind of interprets that med speak, what's going on and can relay it in a very human, normal language uh, to the patient and family too. It's the, it's the number one thing I think that makes us different is really trying to assess what they understand and then starting from what they understand and guiding them through the process of making decisions that are important to them. And, and so that's kind of what when we're looking at bringing people onto our team, those are the skills that we're looking for. And those are the things that we help develop and nurture in ourselves um, when we're caring for people. So let's talk about this team that you're leading. Um, you are the director of palliative care here at Cone Health. 
And what I find fascinating is that you have an African-American NP who is absolutely gorgeous. I don't see diversity on teams um, in the medical field, which I love. Not only do you have that, you have a 30-year-old. Um, you have a nurse that is, you have nurses and NPs. And, and so talk to me about the team and why these people? Because you can hire people. But it's it's like when you create a team, it's like how do they're going to mesh together? And I'm telling you, I'm I'm almost thinking about going back to med school so I can be part of your team. I mean, and that that's I would never make it through. But I just it's the chemistry that you guys have together that I love. We'll totally make a place for you on this team anytime <laughs> you want. Um, no, um, this uh, one of uh, the greatest parts of what I do is being able to come to work each day and work with this team. I cannot say enough good things about this team. I would um, honestly say that uh, we are high functioning. Uh, we also are a healthy team. Um, you know, even when things are really, you know, we feel like we're really in the trenches of healthcare. We come out and we dust each other off and throw each other back out there and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. We're here. We're working on a plan to make this better. Um, my personal philosophy of leadership is that you allow the people that you hire on your team um, to be um, autonomous. You allow them to be adult thinkers. You do not micromanage and you allow them to be accountable to themselves and the patients that they care for. And you cut them free and you support them with everything that and you've I'm got. And I'm here if you need me. <laughs> right. I'm here if you need me, but also allowing for a certain amount of scheduling flexibility, mm -hmm. um, also having an empathetic approach. You know, if something happens to somebody needs, you know, um, a day off for whatever reason, we'll get your back, you know, and then we'll just... When you need to take it off, we'll get you, you know. So we really pitch in for each other when unexpected things occur, like kids get sick and you've got to run to school to get them. We 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 jump in and we we fill the needs so that we continue to care for our patients. And um, we do a wonderful job at that. How did you find these people? Oh, luck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> lots and lots of luck. No, we truly are fortunate. And, and I will say that it, it was um, – we hire as a team and um, really? yeah and and we also i specifically look for um, cognitive diversity. I look for racial diversity, gender diversity, um, diversity of thought, because I think in our differences, that's where we find our strengths. Mm. And I would say on this team, we have, we have a lot of diversity. And so these guys might want to talk about it. You're sitting here with me, yeah. but the diversity I think is important. And, and diversity isn't always just, you know, necessarily about, you know, skin color. it's whatever your cultures that you bring into the team. Right. And we have, we have so much of that on this team and they're really um there there are 20 of us and each person brings something to to this team and a willingness to work through whatever the issues are um that might come up in any team they're in in a sense of wanting to feel connected sure so um i am really fortunate so, so. talk to me tell me who's on your team and then we're going to talk to yeah. some of your team players. <laughs> so um, we have um, uh, three uh, physicians. Um, we have – actually, we have four physicians. We were changing so fast, I can't even keep track of how many there. We have four physicians. We have a slew of nurse practitioners. We have uh, a practice administrator, administrative support, and a clinical nurse specialist. Um, we also have one PA. We're huge. Uh, when, we, when I started – 
uh, four years ago, there were four of us. And so we have, in the last couple years, grown exponentially. We've taken on two additional hospitals. Um, we have a very strong inpatient team, and we are getting ready to really move um, into the outpatient space. And I think we've got it right on the inpatient side. Obviously, there's always uh, ways that we can improve, but it's really about how do we meet the needs of our patients. And I will say that our health system has been very supportive of our growth and um, getting us the resources that we needed. And I really hope that continues. So why do you think a large healthcare system like Cone Health is investing in you know, something like palliative care? Why do they think it's important to have 20 clinicians on the floor working through these very serious serious illnesses that they come see coming through the door why why do why are they invested in palliative care so i i think one is is that Top Cone Health Leadership really believes in a culture of empathy and a culture of doing the right thing. Being right here beside you is really the new Cone Health brand. If you are going to do that for people who have serious illness, you have to do that through palliative care. No one ever, you know, disputes the value of palliative care um, in terms of, you know, People want to like us and, and nobody wants to, you know, not like, you know, people who help you know, what their view is, is just help the dying, right? Right. But when it comes down to it, we actually are showing our value from a financial uh, perspective, from a from a human perspective. And it's when you can take both of those and demonstrate your value that you are going to really uh, grow. Their palliative care uh, has been consistently shown to improve the the sort of metrics that that the uh, executives look at, things like hospital readmissions, things like inpatient mortality, um, overall cost of care, very positive impact, and also better patient satisfaction. We spend time with people. We listen. I want to know their story. And Mm. unfortunately, we're given the leeway and the, the latitude to do that. And it makes a difference. Wow. And you and you have even, you know, someone who's helping you behind the, the scenes, making these PowerPoints, talking to the individuals, proving your case. I saw a slide the other day that you guys are increasing what people you see about a thousand, fifteen hundred. And it looks like this year you'll see a record number of people coming through under the palliative care specialist. And I just... Um, I just think it's amazing. Um, so let's talk to, you know, this little uh, Melanie over here who is the the nurse. So tell me, what is your role on the uh, the palliative care team? Um, I do a little bit of everything. First of all, you know, you're beautiful. I'm even having people, we, you, you, we took a selfie the other day and now people want to know who you are and if you're married. So you are married. I am married. And so off the, off the, uh, that you can't get married again, so you're good with that. So you're taken. Yes. But so your personality is so joyful. Oh, thank and, you. And it's and I don't know if Beth did this strategically, but you guys are all pretty. Um, and I, I and I'm not saying you know it, maybe it's not physical, but it's it's something spiritual that I'm feeling from the team. And so tell me a little bit about your role. Um, I just kind of support everybody and really part of palliative care nursing is being flexible and being able to be what is needed in that moment. And I don't work just for our staff and with our doctors and with our NPs and PAs, but I work a lot with the floor nurses too to help them 
through this process and understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, why what we're doing is different, and to be a support in a, a field where there is a lot of pressure to perform for mm. nurses and to be a support to them. But I um, field phone calls and set up meetings with families. A lot of times I'm the first contact with a family. Do you find when you go into a room that that people are surprised that you're there? It's 50-50. Sometimes they've said, oh, palliative's coming, but haven't told them what is going on. Right. Um, and sometimes I walk in and it's a cold open and there's nothing there's nothing known. Now, do you think people still associate palliative care with the H word hospice? Yes. And, you know, let's talk about that because that's not necessarily the whole truth because hospice is palliative, but palliative is not necessarily hospice. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were just talking last night downtown at this wonderful independent bookstore um, that, you know, sometimes you guys come in when someone has a hip replacement, when they can't con control their pain. or um, So tell me, it's just not end of life you guys are dealing with. No. So I always, um, I like to phrase it as palliative care is for patients who have big diseases that are changing their care needs. Mm. And whether that's, you know, a new diagnosis or something different or a functional change, that's the time for us to get involved. And of course, I like food. And so I also, if people have trouble understanding the difference between hospice and palliative, I kind of explain it as palliative is we're having chicken for dinner. It's a generic, we are doing this. But hospice is a subset of palliative. We're having baked chicken for dinner. Oh, It's a very specific, you've narrowed the field of care. So instead of having this, this broader palliative care, which is symptom and psychosocial and physical and medication support for patients with life-limiting illnesses and hospice is for people who have reached a certain point in their illness. But we can help all kinds of people right. that don't and, qualify and, for hospice. Well, and some people don't want hospice. No. You know, there's so many things that are evolving. And really, you know, when I'm finding people, when they're scared of end of life, they're really scared of suffering. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's where palliative care comes in to really kind of explain to them because it's the first time that someone's sitting down in front of them and really making sure they understand where their disease is at mm -hmm. and asking the right questions like what do you know and kind of filling in those gaps um now or do you do a lot of triage for the team because i know you know you you introduce yourself to the family and when do you bring the physicians or the pas or the mps in um i do triage the the referrals as best I can through chart reviews. Very often our providers are so proactive and on top of things that by the time I really know what's going on, they've already got things going on. They've already set something up and they're already on top of it. That's great. Um, but the ones, there are some that I do with them or behind them or on my own if it's something that just needs a nurse managing sure. it and doesn't need a provider. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question. No, you did. And and you got you guys have team meetings, so you guys discuss yes. on a weekly, biweekly basis, very similar to an interdisciplinary team of mm -hmm. what what went right, um, ongoing support for families. Mm -hmm. Um and and you you're talking a little bit about, you know, right now y'all are just in the acute setting. Um and there's a possibility of maybe community palliative care coming down with cone health. Um 
I would like to be able to answer that, but honestly, I'm so embedded in the inpatient that I kind of just you concentrate where leadership on that. leads us. Yeah. yeah. So, Beth, what do you think about? Is, is there a community palliative care on, on, and why community versus acute? Are you trying to manage symptoms in the in the home and in the community so they don't have to enter an acute setting? Yeah, so it's all about getting more upstream, um, preparing people for what the possible trajectory of their illness is going to be or what to expect. And we can't always predict that. Um, But we do our best to outline some possible scenarios and see what uh, matters to them and how we can help support them. I feel like any fully functional palliative care program needs to have a uh, community arm, an inpatient arm. And that community arm, this is the Wild West right now. Okay. Okay. I mean, we are right now watching how places are doing this. And um, I have very strong feelings about what I, how I feel a community-based um, program should be. Community is big when you say community-based program. So that could look like home visits. That could look like skilled nursing facility sure. visits, um, you know, assisted living facility type visits. Also, it could be embedded clinics in your outpatient Absolutely. setting. And so I believe we need to serve people where they are, meaning what is best for that patient. If they have an, an existing appointment with their oncologist, can we tack on to the, that visit and help support that visit in any way? Um, can we help in the heart failure clinic where we have an existing infrastructure um, and support that existing team? Um, there I think are you bring a, all, a good point. Yeah, there are all kinds of ways to care for people, but we have to do it in a way that really customizes and personalizes the care. But you don't take over the care of the patient. You kind of work with the team and the attending physician in these acute settings. So when you're called in, you're working in conjunction with the other team members who are already involved, correct? Exactly. And that actually is the power sometimes of what we do because people inherently learn in that process. Um, so when you're working with, you know, the, the heart failure team or you're working with oncology teams, we learn from each other about the different places where we practice and care for people. Um, so there's lots of advantages to those types of of models. Um, I also believe that home care is really a special space that also has experienced a lot of growth. And and when I say it's, it's like the new frontier, sure. it's really the new frontier. Sure. These baby boomers are changing a lot of things. Truly. And, and I think most people will say, you know, when you ask people where they want to die, you know, Surely nobody's saying, I want to die, you know, in the nursing home, such a, like almost no one. Or ICU. Or ICU or the hospital. Hands down, I mean, we see numbers and 80 to 90% of people say, wow, when it really comes to it, I want, I want to die at home. Mm. But that is not what is actually happening. No, absolutely <laughs> And not. so if we can shift that curve in, in serving the community, that is how we measure our impact. Wow. So, Jean, I want to bring you in on the conversation. I mean, you're a physician, you're... Um, not to point out the obviously, but you're the only male uh, representation on this team. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you got into palliative care, what what you see is important in the impact of patient care in acute setting when it comes to palliative care. But also, if you have a, 
a really success story of when palliative was successful. And and what does that mean when palliative care is successful or they meet outcomes? Um, and so I actually came to the world of palliative care. Um, originally, my, my focus going into medicine was going to be on geriatrics. And there's a lot of overlap in, in what I do now versus what people do as far as geriatric care. A lot of that focus is on those quality of life issues and what does that mean? And that, that's that's individual to each person. Um, what brought me to palliative care, though, was, was during my time caring for people, I, I discovered that there were a lot of people who were suffering, who were not able to enjoy quality in their life, who were younger than that threshold of age 65. And so what my flip was, was that I said, well, gosh, I would be missing out the opportunity to work with a very large patient population that could really use care based upon a chronologic age. And so that was, mm-hmm. that was a shifting day for me. It was actually back in residency. I remember it was middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went into the room, the emergency room to see somebody. And it was a young, young man who had a history of Down syndrome. And he was approaching end of life, regardless of what we were doing. And, and so it was a focus with his family on, well, how do we support you? How do we support him? Understanding that regardless of what we do, Unfortunately, we're approaching end of life here. And so their wish at that point in time was, well, gosh, he just wouldn't want to be in the hospital. The hospital scared him. And so the entire focus of that night turned into how can we come up with a plan that gets this this guy out of the hospital? Because this is not where he'd want to be at this stage. Oh, wow. That gives me chills. And so it was fortunate enough that there was a residential facility who um, was willing to take somebody out of bed at three o'clock in the morning to come in and start an admission process to get him moved over there in the middle of the night because that's what mattered at that point in time. And so to me, that's what what palliative care is about is meeting each person, meeting each family where they are, figuring out what are the things that are important to you and how can we move forward with those things is the key. Um, As you noted, a lot of what I do is trying to get information sharing too because it's really tough to make good decisions without good information. Hmm, true. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's a position we put families in. We do talk in a different language and we do use terms and terminology and say, well, here's the possibilities without really discussing them. Um, I, I almost liken it to when you roll into the emergency room, it's like you get a menu of here's all the available things at the hospital, pick and choose a la carte what it is you want us to do to you while you're here. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I personally try and do is sit down and say, well, what is it we're trying to get to with your care? How can we start there with a goal and then work backwards and say, well, what medical things are likely to get us closer to that? Sometimes it's more disease-modifying therapy. Maybe it isn't more chemotherapy or radiation or surgery or, or intubation or whatever the, the, the procedures we're talking about. Sometimes it's not, though. And so trying to figure out what is the best way to get to what is important for each individual person based upon their goals, based upon their values, based upon their family, is really where I I try and spend a lot of time whenever I sit down with people. So answer me this, you know, when you are working in Cone Health, what is, there's so many people that are so unfamiliar with palliative care and, and I've gone past surgical waiting rooms the last couple of days and they're just full. How can we get this message to the community of when is it good to receive and ask for palliative care? When, when, what situation is the ideal situation to say, hi, I need a palliative care consult. And this is what I, as a family member, I need to ask for that. How do we do that? 
I think that we have people that go out and advocate on the road by living in their RV and traveling around the country <laughs> and, and kind of doing some boots on the groundwork to say, hey, this oh, is not funny. how things have to be. Um, right. From my perspective, is a lot of times relationships with other medical providers to make sure they understand what it is. But from the general population's perspective, it's people like you going out there and saying, you know, we've got to get a conversation started. Yeah. And, you know, and that's really key when it comes to um, bringing everyone on board with uh, the common knowledge of we're going to all die one day. And it's really important how we do that. And the last few days, I've seen a lot of staff members fill out their advanced care planning. And I think it's really important that, uh, and I applaud Cone Health, that it's important that us who live in the healthcare world know what we want at end of life and have that experience of talking because they're not fun conversations, but it, it doesn't have to be taboo. Um, and that's, that's where we all need to come from. So yeah, this is, um, this has been such a wonderful three days. I, uh, you know, I've never really, Greensboro doesn't have water near it. So I'm not a real fan of, of towns that are inland, but I am totally in love with Greensboro only because I know that I would probably get the best care right here at Cone Health with uh, this palliative care team. So I salute you, Beth. I salute what you guys are doing here. I salute actually the people in the C-suites um, that I don't even know that are supporting you. And I, I, I am a huge advocate in tooting Cone Health's um, ability to support people and your providers to make things really happen on a human level when it comes into being admitted to this hospital. So congratulations. And I, I, I'm now, if anything happens to me, I, I want to be admitted to Cone Health and I, I might not need it or even qualify for a palliative care consult, but I'll still ask for one. It's okay. You have my cell number. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do have your cell number. Thank but you, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an amazing, um, I don't know where you found these people, um, but I feel like I'm walking away with 20 new friends and family. And it's really cool when you meet people that have the heart and the mind and the skill to radically change how people face aging and end of life as well as we can because no one wants to suffer. And I think the most important question is, is what matters most to the patient and family? And you guys are asking those questions. So congratulations. Thank you. And it's also uh, very inspiring to see people like you who can connect quickly with others. That's really um, what it's all about um, is being able to be genuine and authentic and real and brave and courageous. Stand up for what you need ask for what you need. Um, and that's where true transformation happens. And not like, like key for life in it's general. It's a key for ask life for in what general. You need. Ask for what you need and also, you know, care about people on the way and try to understand and listen to understand and where other people are coming from and and, and be open to um, all possibilities and, and have a true desire for people to even surpass you and um, in their in their growth as human beings and to be who you are, be proud of that and say, wake up every day and say, you know, even on my worst day, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn good, yeah, you know, and, exactly. and to say, we are really making a difference. I know this team is making a difference here um, at Cone Health every day. And so if there's anything, you know, that I can do to support them, it's to remind them of that and to say, you know, take care of yourselves too. Yeah. Well, when you ask someone like me to bring a 29 foot RV that has death and you're going to die and other supporting uh, sponsors like Cabot Cheese, um, um, and park it in the physician parking lot. There's a lot of conversation about that. What I applaud you and your team is that you don't tuck away 
uncomfortable conversations. You want to bring it out from the dark corners. And I believe that's the beginning to, to changing how we talk and how we serve people who are aging and who are facing uh, serious illnesses. So I applaud you and thank you so much for allowing me to spend time with your team this week. Thanks, Kimberly. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.